Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your host. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week, we are going to be recapping the 2001 movie, Legally Blonde, starring Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Coolidge, and Luke Wilson. This is a classic of our generation. I loved this movie when it first came out. I still love it. You know what? It held up really well. There's like tiny little kind of outdated notions in it, like little Mm -hmm. tiny stuff. But overall, it held up really well. I still enjoyed it very much. Listen, I feel like this movie is what prompted me to go into the legal field. Really? Did you want to be a lawyer? I did. Oh, okay. But law school is like three years and... What? Like it's hard? (laughs) (laughs) It is. Um, (laughs) Law school is like three years and then you have to have your undergraduate first and then associate attorneys just they work crazy hours to like prove themselves. And I don't know. I was I got married when I was 20. That's yeah. (laughs) You know, it just when people marry young, it really changes the trajectory of your life because now you're not just like blindly chasing your dreams. Now you're part of a unit and you have to like mm-hmm. consider your partner. Yeah. So the movie stars Reese Witherspoon, who mm-hmm. still looks exactly the same. Exactly the same. She is such a cute, petite, blonde girl. She's playing a college student in her senior year of her undergraduate degree. She is a fashion merchandising major. Mm-hmm. And she is in a sorority, the Kappa News. In the beginning of the movie, it pans through this college campus, and I felt personally victimized by this opening sequence because it was all these like young fit girls with like light in their eyes. And then it finally gets to Elle Woods, our protagonist. Mm -hmm. She is a ball of sunshine and her signature color is pink. So everything in her room is pink. And she's also a spoiled rich girl at, at the end of the day, but a very sweet one. No, she is. She's a spoiled rich girl, but she's very sweet. She's not a snob. Everybody seems to love her. She has a real sisterhood mm-hmm. in her sorority, which I was never in a sorority, but I always kind of worried that there was a lot of like cattiness and stuff. But in this movie, it seems like the sisterhood, they're all rooting for her because they think tonight's the night that her boyfriend is going to propose. Yeah, and so Elle and her friends go out to go dress shopping. She does her hair. They see her off. You know, they have like this little assembly line of girls touching up her makeup and spritzing her with perfume. Warner comes, picks her up. He's dressed to the nines. You could tell Mm -hmm. he comes from money, right? He just looks like your stereotypical rich boy. And his name is also Warner Huntington III. <laughs> oh, you know God. what? Anything after Junior right. or the second is pretentious. It's just too much. Like, stop. Cut it out. Let's retire the name after, after Junior. Three people thought so highly of themselves <laughs> that they're like, name them after me. Tell me you come from a line of narcissists without telling me you come from a line of narcissists. Right. But yes, Warner is dressed very nice as well. And he takes her out to this beautiful dinner. It's a fancy restaurant. It looks like a high class Olive Garden, doesn't it? It does. Like if Olive Garden was made for rich people. And honestly, all you have to do to make Olive Garden for rich people is to allow reservations, dim the lights (laughs) and get 
more expensive looking chairs. That's literally all you have to do. I mean, from our point of view, right? Because we're trash. So we (laughs) we don't know the difference. Warner Huntington III, he is going to Harvard. He got into Harvard Law and he is obviously pretentious. And so he's having this conversation with Elle, who again is preparing herself for this oncoming engagement. And he tells her, I brought you here so we could talk about our future. And she's like, I agree. (laughs) And he talks about, you know, responsibility and making changes to their relationship. And you know what? He's he's not breaking up with her very well. No, because this is the worst breakup. This is the worst lead up to a breakup. Right. He says, I think we should break up. Right. At the same time that she thinks he's going to be like, will you marry me? Mm-hmm. And so she's like, yes, wait. He tells her, if I'm going to be a senator... By the time I'm 30, I need to marry a Jackie, not a Marilyn. And you know what? First of all, Marilyn Monroe was a badass, okay? Put some respect on her name. Right. But Jackie Kennedy was also a badass. Like, let's not pit the girlies against each other, okay? Let's not do that. But then also, it was obviously meant not as a compliment. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was cruel of him to say when he's breaking up with her. There was no, it's not you, it's me. It was... uh It's definitely you. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was really rude and uncalled for. Yeah. But Elle does not take this news great. She causes a scene in the middle of the restaurant. She starts screeching, you're breaking up with me. And she starts sobbing. She sounds like a dying animal. Like those those are the noises that she's making in this restaurant, in this high class Olive Garden. And so everyone's looking around. Warner is super embarrassed. And you know what? I freaking loved this because what he is doing to her is he was humiliating her by dumping her. And I love that she unintentionally flipped the tables and embarrassed him in return. Right. I don't know. I love when women make scenes after men do dumb shit instead of just being embarrassed Mm -hmm. embarrass him embarrass them back (laughs) we need to put that on a shirt embarrass them back right like most girls after the ending of a serious relationship she falls into some depresso espresso Mm -hmm. and she watches days of our lives while eating chocolate in her bedroom And not showering for a week. Yeah. I love how she's not just eating the chocolate. She has this whole box of the different variety chocolates. And she's taking each one, taking a bite and putting it back in, which is so sociopathic of her. Well, now she knows what's in each one so she can pick and choose the next time around. It kind of sounds like you've done this before. Okay. I don't know whether to take a bite of them, but I will break them in half if there's (laughs) no guide. (laughs) <laughs> right. I don't trust the guide. I can, you know, I have too many trust issues to like eat those chocolates that like, you don't know what's inside of them. Couldn't hurt at this point. <laughs> Elle is in her room for a week. Her besties come to drag her mm. out. And the only thing they know how to do to feel better is Manny Petties, which like, let me tell you, Manny Petties are expensive. Mm-hmm. But again, these are rich girls. So whatever. They are rich girls. But also, I've never been sad after a Manny Petty. That's true. Um, They're forcing self-care onto her. Yeah. They go, they get Manny Petties. While in the chair, getting her petty done, Elle comes across a newspaper article about Warner's older brother and his new fiance. Yeah, it's an engagement announcement. 
When Elle sees the type of woman that Warner's brother is marrying, she realizes like, oh, that's who I need to be to so that he will want to marry me. And mm-hmm. the woman that his brother is marrying is going to uh, Yale or something. She's like in, in law school as well. Yeah, she's a first year law student. And so Elle is like, of course, <laughs> this is the kind of girl that Warner wants to marry. I just have to show him that I'm serious and I'm not a dumb blonde and I'm not ditzy. I'll just go to Harvard. I don't, you know what? I don't know that Elle sees herself as ditzy or dumb blonde. What I love most about her character is that she is completely oblivious as to how she comes across. Like she's not self-aware at all. She has zero self-awareness. And that's like my favorite type of character because they're like Mm -hmm. unintentionally hilarious. So she does know that people kind of see her as dumb, but it doesn't seem to bother her. So she goes to her parents' house and she tells them, you know, mom, dad, I want to go to Harvard. And her parents are, they're just hanging out poolside and they're just like, oh, honey, you don't want to go to Harvard. Harvard is for boring people. You're pretty. (laughs) Right. And dad's drinking a martini with like five fucking olives in it. That's not even a martini at this point. That's just olive juice, you know? Right. After her parents just sort of dismiss her, that doesn't seem to dissuade her. She's just like, oh, well, I'm going to do it anyways. Isn't this crazy? This always blows my mind when I see someone who has all the audacity and kind of just like believes in themselves because it's the opposite of me. I'm so easily discouraged. If I were to go to my parents and be like, I'm going to law school and they were like, oh, honey, that's not for you. I would be like, yeah, you're probably right. But on the flip side, Mm -hmm. I also love proving people wrong. So I kind of related to Elle being like, I'm doing this. I'm more like you than I am like Elle. Like, I do love proving a bitch wrong. Right. But also, like, if somebody whose opinion I respected was like, probably don't do that. I'd be like, okay. Yeah, even her counselor at school is kind of giving her a look like, are you sure you want to go to Harvard? You're going to need to score 175 on your LSATs. Um, And also, she needs to really put some thought into her admissions essay mm-hmm. because... Honey, you're not the only one that wants to go to Harvard. A lot of people want to go to Harvard. Right. No one thinks she can do it. Elle goes out and she buys this huge stack of books to study for the LSATs. And she tells her friends, she just announces, I'm going to Harvard. Like, she's so confident. I wish I, if I had a little bit of that, I would accomplish so much. And her friends are like, like on a road trip? We love road trips. (laughs) Is this what people who were raised with no trauma are like? Like, they're just bubbly and happy in like a not dead inside way? Because we're bubbly and happy, but like in a dead inside way. Um, I don't know. I don't think I know any normal people. Yeah, same, same. Like, if you're not at least a little dead inside, we can't get along because it's awkward, girl. It's awkward. Yeah, I've I've encountered that for sure. So Elle explains her plan to her friends. She's like, when Warner sees me as a serious law student, he's gonna want me back and he's gonna propose. Like, it's really simple. This is such an expensive project. Like, she's going to literally go to Harvard, which obviously her parents are gonna pay for. How Uh much is the tuition in Harvard? Oh, we're talking like six figures a year. Just for someone's dusty ass son. Like, I just can't relate. Um, So for this school, sorry, for last school year, tuition is $70,430 
In addition, there is a health insurance, health service fee, and activities fee, a dental fee, the cost of housing, food, books, and supplies, as well as personal living and travel expenses. It's is about $106,000 a year Mm -hmm. for Harvard Law School. That's crazy. But anyway, so that's her plan to get her man back. Elle decided that instead of doing a boring old written essay, she's Mm going to do a video essay. So we get this cute little montage of her studying for the LSATs, busting her ass. It goes back and forth between that and the Harvard's admissions council watching her video essay. Yeah, her video essay is highly produced and highly ridiculous. Like, it's essentially her wearing a crystal-studded bikini, all pink, because pink is her color. And she's talking about how she's ready to go to Harvard, and this is why. And she lists all of her qualifications, which sound also unserious. Like, none of it sounds like people who apply to Harvard are doing Yeah, she talks about how she's comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. And like somebody cat calls her and she's like, objection. I object. (laughs) Um, She talks about how she fought for the Charmin toilet paper for her sorority house. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very silly, but also she does a lot of it in a bikini. The montage finishes with a bunch of old guys in suits watching her admissions video and their mouths are just gaped open like they're so shocked at what they just saw and there's one guy who seems to be the one that like really has the most pull and he's just kind of like uh i don't know about this and all the other guys are like aren't we looking for more diversity and they're like listen titties aside she has a 4.0 she got a 179 on her lsats She only needed a 175 to like meet Harvard standards. She has a lot of these guys rooting for her. And I I find it interesting. I wonder if I wonder if she was just so confident and over the top that they were like, this is different, you know, like because they're like, remember, they're seeing the same thing over and over and over again. They're seeing all these like kids that are doing very serious uh, achievements. And she has a lot of achievements, just none of them are very serious. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you know what? I guess like the head of the admissions committee is like, you know what? Screw it. Welcome to Harvard Law. Yeah. And so Elle packs up her whole life from her sorority house and moves across the country to Harvard. And boy, does this girl make a spectacle when she gets there. Yeah. So first of all, she was in California, right? Yeah. She was in California and she rolls up in her convertible. So they kind of made it seem like she drove. Like it's such a breezy drive to go from California to. It's like a three day trip to if you're like lucky and you're sweaty and. Which is not her vibes. (laughs) No. So she rolls up with this giant fucking U-Haul. Where are you going to put that, girl? (laughs) Right? Have you ever been in a dorm room? Yeah. Like, maybe Harvard dorm rooms are different. I don't fucking know. Well, it seems like the one that she has is, is, it's a decent sized room. She has like an exercise bike. She brought plants. She has her dog, which I don't even know if that was allowed, but she didn't ask anybody. She just brought her dog. Yeah. Nobody stopped her. (laughs) Nobody stopped her. She stops in the middle of like a high traffic walkway 
to pour her dog some water. Well, the thing too is like when you look at everyone around, they're all wearing like beige and gray and black and she's wearing hot pink head to toe. She looks like a literal Barbie and someone even shouts out like, look, it's Malibu Barbie. Mm -hmm. And Elle doesn't seem to notice. And this is what I mean that she is not self-aware. She does not seem to notice that everyone's staring at her. She doesn't look self-conscious. She doesn't look even like confused why people are looking at her. She's not noticing it at all. Yeah, she's just like, this must be Harvard. Okay, this is I'm here. (laughs) So Elle being true to who she is, decks herself out in this cute little skirt pantsuit, but it looks like something Hugh Hefner would wear. It's a cardigan robe looking thing, and it's an iridescent color that kind of changes with the light. It is just so over the top, but she looks in the mirror and she's like, look at me. I look like a serious lawyer. Like she is so, (laughs) and she goes to her first day of class with a little cute notebook and a little fluffy pink pen like she's ready for law school so she's on her way to her first class and she runs into warner and he's like are, are you you here to see me yeah he's confused and he looks actually a little bit scared like he's like uh-huh. she is crazy she followed me here which fair because she really did follow him there but she's trying to play it cool she's like oh no i forgot you went here like silly i go here and he's like to harvard You got into law school and she goes, like, it's hard. What? Like, it's hard. I love that. (laughs) Make him feel dumb. Diminish his accomplishments. Oh, my God. I think the best revenge she ever did was just getting into Harvard. But the thing is that she wasn't looking for revenge. She wanted him back, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, she did want him back. Warner is again, he looks scared and confused. <laughs> and he's like, uh, can we talk? And she's like, yeah, I'll meet you on the bench after class. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to her first class and apparently there was some sort of assignment. I, she doesn't strike me as the type to read the orientation emails or whatever, or like look online for to what you were supposed to do in class. But first day of class, she sits on the front row. She's so cute. She's got this little notepad and this pink fluffy pen. Everyone else has laptops and a textbook. And it's very clear from the jump that there was some sort of assignments, like reading assignment everyone was expected to do that she didn't do. And when the professor calls on her, Elle says, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that there was an assignment. The professor is this older woman and she gives me Professor McGonagall vibes. Yes. Very stoic, very intimidating older woman. And you could tell, I mean, she called on Elle because she knew like she she completely knew that Elle wasn't prepared, like she wanted to embarrass her. And then the professor goes to a girl named Vivian in the back of the class. Essentially, she's like, do you feel like I would be within my rights to ask Miss Woods to leave until she's prepared. The girl Vivian is played by Selma Blair and she's like this snotty looking brunette and she looks over at Elle and she's like, no, I agree, she should leave and return when she's prepared. And so poor Elle is so embarrassed. She has to gather her little notepad (laughs) and just like scurry out of the room. And so she goes out and she sits on the bench waiting for Warner, and she's just so frustrated. And there's a gentleman there. His name is Emmett, played by Luke Wilson. 
And I think we can both agree that Luke Wilson is the more attractive of the Wilson brothers. He's so cute. He's such the boy next door, the man next Mm -hmm. door. He's the kind of guy that you would call to help you change a light bulb that's too high up. Like, he just seems like very helpful and sweet and kind. He does. But he hears Elle kind of huffing and puffing because she's so embarrassed and overwhelmed about her first day. And they start talking and... He seems to be the only person that's not judging her just solely by her appearance. Yeah, he's being very kind to her. He gives her some little tips and tricks about some of her other professors. She feels really like grateful to him that, you know, he's helping her out instead of seeing her as like a competition that needs mm-hmm. to be eliminated. A lot of times in academic settings, mm-hmm. they tend to put people against each other. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that, hey, there's not only so many graduating spots. We can all graduate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this Emmett guy, he's not a student. He's a lawyer. He's an assistant to one of the professors is what it seems like. But she doesn't know that right now. She doesn't know that. Yeah, because they actually get interrupted by Warner, who comes up and he asks her how her first day went. And Warner still has this look on his face where he still he still looks terrified and confused the whole time. It's just his new expression. Good. <laughs> Good. We're glad. That should be your expression. <laughs> Little fuck boy. Um, but in the middle of Warner and Elle's conversation, Miss Vivian, she comes up and starts running her hand over Warner's back and arm. The snotty girl from the class. Yeah, she she gets she closes up to Warner and Elle doesn't realize what's going on until she sees the giant ring on Vivian's finger. Mm-hmm. So she is Warner's new fiance. Just let this sink in for a second that this girl worked so hard to get into Harvard. Obviously it was the intentions were stupid. But she she put in a lot of work to get here. Mm-hmm. And he's engaged. Oy. Regardless of how stupid her mission was, it kind of, you still feel for her. I definitely feel for her. And Elle just quietly excuses herself from the conversation. She's like, I have to go. I mean, at this point, I think she's ready to just throw in the towel and just go home. She gets in her car and she just races away from campus. She's looking for a nail salon. And when she sees one, she just does this very like dangerous maneuver. And she causes a bunch of accidents just so that she can make a U-turn and get to the nail salon. Uh, She doesn't seem to care at all. She doesn't even seem to notice that she just caused accidents. She's not aware. Like her worldview is so myopic. She is not aware of what's happening. Like mm-hmm. one foot from her is what I what I notice. And honestly, I think it's like a rich people syndrome because yeah. there are so many people that have such an inordinate amount of money that you would imagine like, how can they live with themselves? Like not, not helping the people that need it. And it's because they're not even thinking about those people. Like their world is one square foot like around them. That's their entire world. No, that makes total sense that they just, it's not that they don't care. It's that they just don't really know that you exist. Yeah, they're just not aware. So Elle doesn't even wait to be seated. She finds a nail tech with an empty station and just sits down and goes, are you available? It's an emergency. It's an emergency. Her mascara is running. She's obviously been sobbing. And it's so cute because the nail tech is like, okay, 
spill. Tell me everything. Have you ever had a nail tech that like wanted to hear your problems? Because all my nail techs, um, they're usually not really interested in Same. my story. They're like talking to each other in like a different language. Yeah, no, I've never had a nail tech that like wanted to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that this nail tech is used to getting all the drama, and I love that for her. Yes. And after Elle tells her the whole story, the nail tech basically just says, so what? Go get your man back. Mm -hmm. So he has a fiance. It doesn't matter. They're not married yet. A lot of these movies from back then, it was like, what's an engagement? <laughs> like, It's like Hollywood did not respect engagements. They're like, if she's not your wife, she doesn't count. And even if she is your wife. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Hollywood is like, so what? We're rooting for our heroine. Go wreck that home, girly. So Elle takes the nail tech's advice and she realizes like, you know what? I've got a lot of equipment I could be mm -hmm. showing off. So she goes sunbathing right next to where Warner is playing football with a bunch of his boys. And everyone's like distracted by her in her little bikini in New England in September. Um, <laughs> even Warner is kind of distracted. But also she's starting to realize she doesn't fit in, but she doesn't understand why. Because she brings a basket of muffins to Warner to his study group, which his fiance is in. And Vivian is such a bitch to Elle. Vivian says, our study group is full. Warner says, we can take one more, Vivian. It's not that big of a deal. And Vivian's like, we've already assigned the chapter outlines. We're full. Mm -hmm. Leave. Elle's not really fitting in with Warner's group, but also the other new law students, she's not fitting in with them either. Yeah, no one seems to really like her. She's really sad. She feels like, you know, she doesn't belong there. And also, not just the fact that she doesn't have friends and this is an extrovert's nightmare, like can't relate, but she needs social activities. And so when she's in her dorm room and she overhears someone talking about a party, she immediately runs outside. Like, is there a party? And then it turns out it's Vivian who's talking about a party. Vivian, Warner's fiance, obviously does not like Elle and does not want Elle to come. Mm -hmm. And so she says, well, it's a costume party, so you probably wouldn't want to come. And Elle, of course, is like, I love costume parties. Yeah. So Elle shows up at this party in pink fishnets and a bunny suit with large bunny ears. She looks like a, um, what are the Hugh Hefner girls? Playboy bunnies? Yeah. She looks like a, a cartoon version of a Playboy bunny. Uh-huh. And right away, it, she realizes that it's not a costume party. And as soon as Vivian sees Elle in this costume, Vivian starts laughing like, I mm -hmm. can't believe you wore a costume. So Vivian is actively humiliating Elle. She is. But honestly, Elle could have left. She could have changed. Instead, she's like, I'm already here. <laughs> right. And that's like the confidence and audacity that she has where she realizes that she was supposed to be embarrassed, but she's not embarrassed. She just kind of puffs up her chest and walks around in her little bunny outfit. She sees Warner at this party and Warner's like, What's with the outfit? Elle just says, oh, I just wanted to dress up, you know. She could have told him that his fiance is a bitch and, you know, did this to her, but she doesn't. She kind of just owns her costume. I would have told him. <laughs> yeah, I would have too. But honestly, the way he's looking at her and the way he just kind of like pulls her towards him, so inappropriate. Right. 
they get to talking about school, Elle finds out that there is an internship position. And Elle's like, oh, I'm going to apply for it. And Warner is like, listen, you're not smart enough for that. He literally says, you're not that smart. She says to Warner, didn't we get into the same school? I'm so confused. I don't understand why you think I'm not smart enough. And that's when it hits her. And she even says out loud, I'm never going to be good enough for you. And I feel like right this moment in time right here is where she fully gives up on getting Warner back. Right. I think her priorities shift now from getting him back to I'm going to show him. And she does. She goes to the store in her little Playboy Bunny outfit, Mm -hmm. ears and little tail and all. She buys a computer. She gets a whole bunch of books and she throws herself into studying. Now her goal is to work hard and to prove him wrong, which I love. I can still relate to this. Like, I love... Don't believe me, just watch. Right. I love proving people wrong. Like, also, this podcast, when I mentioned it to my therapist initially before we started, I'm like, yeah, me and my friend, we're going to start a podcast. And she just looked at me and she was like, wow, I mean, it kind of sounded before like you had a lot going on and now you want to do a podcast. And I could just see that she was thinking like, you can't do this. This is too much. And I was literally like, that's it. Now I have to do the podcast. This is your fault. (laughs) And I can never give up because then my therapist is going to know she was right. So we're going to be doing this. We're going to be like 95 years old. We're going to be corpses and we're going to be doing this podcast. Yes. (laughs) So we have Elle, who, again, like we said, threw herself into her studies She's getting attention from professors because she's making good points. Yeah, she's answering the questions. She's standing out as a student because also keep in mind, Elle doesn't have friends. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She has nothing to do all day long but think about revenge Mm -hmm. (laughs) to like really throw herself into her studies because at this point she's like, I need to get a spot on that internship. Yeah. And she has nothing but time. And she's doing it all in her style, dressed in pink with a little Mm -hmm. pink scented ink. She turns in assignments in pink ink that has a smell to it. Like she's not changing herself to fit into Harvard. She is wedging herself into into it. And you know what? That's a lot of audacity. And we love that. Hell yeah. And she made it. She, She got a spot in the internship. But so did Vivian and so did Warner. At first, it seems like Vivian doesn't want Elle there. But Vivian and Elle sort of have like this like silent agreement to be civil to each other. Well, I think they're the only females that are part of the internship. So immediately there's this awareness that they are being treated a little different from the boys. Like, for example, the professor asked Vivian to get his coffee or asked Elle to like pick something up. So the professor is treating them like assistants, but he's not doing that with the boys. And so Vivian and Elle, although they still don't like each other, they're not friends. They Mm -hmm. are, they are kind of forming a little silent alliance. Yes. And the case that they were called in to work on is involving a lady named Brooke Taylor Wyndham. And Brooke has been accused of murdering her 80-year-old husband. So Brooke is this really beautiful, young, fit woman who's married to an 80-year-old, obviously. So Mm -hmm. she's a fitness queen. She's uh, really popular. And actually, she recognizes Elle. She does. She says, wait, 
you took my class in LA. And Elle was like, yeah, I did. I love your work. Yeah. So Elle is a really big fan. And the thing is that while Brooke is facing trial for her husband's murder because she was found standing over his body by two people, by her stepdaughter and the pool boy. You know, obviously she hired the professor, Elle's professor, to represent her. His name is, what is it, uh, Cunningham? Yeah. Cunningham is apparently a top lawyer, like a really... Yeah, he's a pretty sought-after attorney. Yeah, expensive as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, Brooke hired him to help her fight this murder charge. But Cunningham thinks that she's guilty. He's essentially like, listen, we can't prove she didn't do it because she probably did do it. Essentially, his whole concept of how to handle the case is we need to just kind of put just enough doubt to where, you know, there there is a reasonable doubt. Yeah, and that's just the defense's strategy is always just poke holes in the prosecution. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do because you just need reasonable doubt. But I just thought it was interesting that he was so sure that she did murder him because he's like, yeah, she's this young like gold digger, essentially. And Elle, on the other hand, even though Elle obviously is not an attorney, she's just their assistant. Elle is so sure that Brooke didn't do this. Yeah, she says no. Brooke teaches exercise class. Exercise gives you endorphins and endorphins make you happy and happy people just don't kill their husbands. Yeah. I mean, that's solid research backed statement there. <laughs> I mean, well, how many times has like a gym bro killed his girlfriend? That that might be different because they might be like on steroids or something, you know? And roid rage is real. It's for real, for real. Anyways, So one of the main reasons that Cunningham thinks Brooke is guilty is that she won't give them her alibi. Yeah, so she apparently has an alibi, but she won't tell them what it is. And so Elle takes the initiative to go visit Brooke in jail and try to get her alibi from her. And Brooke tells Elle that she would rather go to jail than have her reputation ruined Mm -hmm. by what her alibi was. And finally, Brooke does sort of, she kind of snaps and Mm -hmm. tells Elle. And the alibi was that she was getting liposuction. She was getting liposuction, which she refuses to use in her defense because she made her entire career out of helping women change their bodies. And so she thinks if people find out she got liposuction, she's going to be deemed a fraud and it's going to ruin her career. And I'm thinking, but isn't being charged with a murder also going to ruin your career? Or are people still going to watch your exercise tapes? Because it's like, yeah, she killed her husband, but like, you know. Right, but I did already <laughs> buy this DVD. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't really know what her rationale is there, but Elle does agree to keep her alibi a secret. Elle does not budge. So when Elle gets back to, I don't know if I said his name wrong earlier, so please forgive matter. me, but it's Callahan. Um, so when Elle gets back to Callahan and the other interns she's so funny because she's like oh yeah she absolutely didn't do it she has a really good alibi and callahan's like fantastic what is it she's like oh i can't tell you she's like no i swore i can't tell you and he is pissed because at this point i mean it's his reputation on the line if he loses this case it doesn't look good like a lot of high-powered lawyers won't take a case that they know they can't win Mm -hmm. later that evening 
Vivian goes to Elle's room, her dorm room. Vivian tells Elle that she thought it was really classy that she kept Brooke's secret, mm-hmm. even though Callahan was very mad about it. And so while Vivian is there, they kind of connect a little bit because they start talking about how Callahan is treating them differently from the boys. And then they mm-hmm. start talking about how men are useless. And I mean, their words, also our words, but their words this time. <laughs> yeah. And then Vivian gives Elle some tea. She's like, when Warner first applied, he was waitlisted. <laughs> yes. I mean, what is the saying about Vivian? Like, she's not really in love with this guy, you know, if she's shit talking him behind his back to his ex. No, she's probably, it was probably an arranged marriage. Maybe. Rich people shit. That's how rich people stay rich. You marry rich and then the riches get together and then the next guy is richer than they were individually and then they marry a rich person and, then, you know, it just becomes bigger and bigger. Meanwhile, us poor people are just marrying like motherfuckers with debt. And- <laughs> For love. <laughs> um, you know, well, actually, I read this book once and it said that Poor people understand marriages of convenience mm-hmm. and rich people understand marriages of convenience. It's the middle class that have this idea to marry for love. Mm, that makes sense. I yeah. mean, they kind of have that luxury where they're like, we're not shooting for the sky because we're not meeting multimillionaires, but we also don't need to marry for money because we're okay. So we just marry for love. Yeah. So during the trial, essentially, the prosecution is making Brooke out to be this gold digger who found an opportunity to get rid of her husband because she was having an affair with the pool boy. Yeah. So the pool boy is on the stand and this guy is flamboyantly, very flamboyantly feminine. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say gay because there's straight guys that are very feminine. Um, I don't personally know any, but I suppose it's possible. Listen, he he definitely makes you question it. Yeah. When he's talking about this affair he has with Brooke, you're just like, nah. yeah, like, did, huh? you, did you though? Uh, but yeah, he says that he was having a sexual affair with Brooke. And so it's not looking good for Brooke. But when Brooke is getting escorted out of the courtroom that day, she mm-hmm. tells Elle, like, you know, I wouldn't have slept with the pool boy, like with a with a guy who wears um, a thong, a thong. She's like, you know that. And Elle is like, I believe you, you know, Elle like really believes her. And then Elle gets like the stroke of luck because the pool boy cuts her in line for the water fountain. And she's like tapping her shoe because she's annoyed with him because he just cut her in line. Mm hmm. And he turns around and he was like, don't tap your last season Prada shoe at me, honey. This just turns on a light bulb for Elle. And she runs back to the defense and she tells Callahan and Emmett, because Emmett is also there. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, like, the pool boy is gay. Like, he, he's lying. He's gay. Callahan is like, listen, we don't go with just random gut feelings. So Callahan is ignoring it. Emmett believes it, but Emmett is the assistant counsel. So he's not doing the cross-examination. Callahan is. But after Callahan's done with his cross-examination, Emmett stands up and was like, few more questions, Your Honor. 
He doesn't even ask Callahan about it first. Mm -hmm. You could tell Callahan's kind of annoyed. He is a little annoyed. But Emmett goes up and he just starts asking rapid fire questions, which honestly, I wonder how often this strategy works, because if someone is lying to you, they need to think about it. And if you're asking rapid fire questions, Mm -hmm. they don't have time to think about their lie. And so Emmett just starts asking like, I don't know, a bunch of random rapid fire questions. And yeah, one of them is, and your boyfriend's name is? Without missing a beat, the poo boy goes, Chuck. And everyone in the courtroom just gasps because he just admitted to having a boyfriend. And this is what I mean where this movie is a little, this is the only part of the movie that I found to be outdated because who says he can't have a boyfriend and have an affair with Brooke? You know what I mean? Right. But I think to everyone in the courtroom, this was proof that he was lying about the affair. Poolboy tries to take it back. He's like, I'm sorry, I was confused. Um, you said boyfriend. I thought you said friend. Uh, Chuck is just a friend. And then Chuck stands up in the back of the courtroom and, and is like, you bitch. This basically shreds the pool boy story that he was having an affair with Brooke because I don't think Mm -hmm. anyone... What year was this? 2001. Because I don't think anyone in 2001 could fathom that a man could um, be bisexual, you know? That wasn't a thing people would consider in 2001. But this just kind of further cements Brooke's faith in Elle. Yes, Brooke obviously doesn't like Callahan. She's made it clear that Callahan's an asshole. Well, because he keeps blatantly saying that he thinks she's guilty. If I didn't do something and my attorney refused to believe that I was innocent, like we would have problems. Yeah, he shouldn't be your attorney. So Elle is on a high right now. She's so excited because she got it right, you know, and Emmett believed in her, you know, he believed in her. He tried her theory and it worked. So Callahan asked to see Elle at, at the end of the day. So Elle goes to Callahan's office and he's like, hey, I just kind of wanted to talk about your future. He starts by complimenting her. He tells her that she is smarter than all the other guys on his payroll, that he sees a future for her. And as he's talking, he's positioning himself closer and closer until he's sitting beside her and starts rubbing her leg. And of course, Vivian sees it from the doorway. And so she thinks that Elle is just sort of sleeping her way to the top. Elle gets really mad at Callahan. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, listen... You have to work with what you got. Yeah. And she's like, so all that stuff you just said was a lie. This really gets to her because, again, her goal has been now to prove Warner wrong and to show that she really is competent. Mm -hmm. And now her accomplishment of getting this internship is being called into question because now she's like, oh, he chose me because he wanted to sleep with me. Vivian, obviously having only seen a small part, essentially accuses Elle of sleeping to the top and is like, you're trash, you little hoe. Again, Elle is having a crisis. She wants to quit at this point. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was there for Warner. She couldn't get him back. And then her goal changed to making this internship. And now she's realizing that wasn't real. And so Mm -hmm. she basically wants to go home. So... Elle, as she's storming out of the building, she runs into Emmett. Emmett is essentially like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And Elle tells him that Callahan came on to her Mm -hmm. and that she only got this internship because, you know, he wanted to sleep with her and that she was going to quit. And Emmett's really taken aback. He's like, no, 
Right. Don't don't let him win, you know? Right. Emma is really, I think he's shocked that his mentor did this, but he also believes Elle, like he believes her. Elle is distraught, so she goes to the only place she can find comfort, which is the nail salon, and she pours her heart out to the nail tech. She tells her everything that happened with Callahan and that she wants to quit. What Elle doesn't know is that one of her female professors, actually the one that is like Professor McGonagall, she was getting like her hair done or nails done or something. Uh And so she pipes up and she goes, don't you dare quit. And she gives her this fierce feminist talk about how she's going to go back there and she's going to prove to Callahan that she she's worth it. And she's not just like a little Mm -hmm. plaything for him. The next day at trial, there is, you know, there's some chaos before it starts in the morning because Brooke comes in and she fires Callahan in the courtroom, which is so wild. The judge, it's so funny to me because judges always look just fed up. Mm -hmm. Judges always look like they're just tired and they don't want to deal with your bullshit. They don't. And and so Brooke fires Callahan on the spot and he's just like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, I've hired new representation. The courtroom doors open and Elle just struts, you know, down the middle walkway, decked out in pink. Right. In her pink suits. And she's so Mm -hmm. cute and she looks so confident. And so the judge is like, all right, counsel's like approach the bench. And and Elle goes to the bench. Elle is prepared with some statute that says that um, law students are allowed to represent uh, clients in, in trials. As long as there is a supervising attorney. Mm -hmm. And of course, the DA is like, we approve. The DA looks tickled pink. They're like, this is amazing for our case. Yes, we we are totally fine with this this little blonde girl dressed in pink. This first year law student (laughs) representing the, the murderer. Yeah. And then Callahan's like, well, I'm not supervising. And then Emmett steps up and is like, I'll do it. And so Elle is essentially now responsible for this trial. Mm-hmm. And the stepdaughter of the of the victim, of the murder victim, takes the stand. And mm-hmm. of course, she tells her story, which is a very incriminating story for Brooke, which is that she came in and saw her stepmom standing over his body, covered in his blood. The daughter is like... I didn't see the gun, but, you know, she she probably had time to hide it. So mm-hmm. the story that the her name's Chutney, which I think is a dumb fucking name. <laughs> but the story that Chutney's telling is, you know, I went out that morning. I went and I got I got a perm. I came home. I took a shower. I changed. And then I came downstairs and found Brooke. So the stepdaughter's whole story is that she didn't hear the gunshot because she was in the shower. Elle is very obviously out of her elements. She looks lost. She's not looking very confident at this point. And so she asked Chutney to re- to kind of repeat her story. And Chutney says, actually, the second time she says that she was washing her hair. This is where Elle's entire demeanor seems to change. And suddenly she is more confident. And so Elle again reiterates... You were in the shower. You were washing your hair. And the ju- everyone looks confused. Chutney, the judge, the prosecution, they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, because this is the fourth time that Elle keeps reiterating the shower. The first couple times she was lost. But now she's she has a point. But everyone's the courtroom actually laughs because they're they're making fun of Elle. They, they think that she's a joke, essentially. 
And she's like, how many perms would you say you've gotten in your life? And Chutney says, two a year since I was 12. Like, do the math. Mm-hmm. Elle is like, so, you know, wouldn't you think that somebody who's gotten, let's say, 30 perms over the course of their life would know that the number one rule of perm hair care is to not get your hair wet for 24 hours, to not deactivate the ammonia thiglocolate. <laughs> Elle says, your curls are intact, which means you weren't in the shower washing your hair, which means you should have heard the gunshot. And if you heard the gunshot, Brooke would not have had time to hide the gun. You would have had to find Brooke over your father's dead body holding the gun. Yeah, that was the only plausible explanation for the timeline. Like, Brooke would not have had time to hide the gun. Elle is talking a mile a minute now because she is confident. And so she says, but you had time to hide the gun didn't you? Right after you shot your father. And Chutney loses it. She's like, I didn't mean to shoot him. I thought it was Brooke. Yeah. And so the courtroom just erupts and mutters and Elle looks shocked. The whole defense team looks shocked. The prosecution looks shocked. Everybody's like, what? She just got this witness Mm -hmm. to confess to the murder? Yeah. And the judge is like, order in the courtroom. She (laughs) orders the bailiff to take the witness into custody Mm -hmm. and she dismisses Brooke's case. Elle Elle won this. You know, she won this because her knowledge of perms. (laughs) You know what? You never know when your random knowledge of something is going to come in clutch. You know what I mean? For sure. There's this huge celebration about the fact that Brooke got off this murder charge. Warner comes up to Elle after this and he's so excited about, you know, what she just accomplished. And he says, you are the right girl for me. And he tells her that that he loves her. And she essentially tells him to go kick rocks. She's like, if I'm going to have my own law firm by the time I'm 30, like I need to, I can't date like a douchebag. Like, listen, um, I have dreams and aspirations too. It just so happened that I stole your dreams and aspirations and I'm doing way better at it than you are. (laughs) Yes. What? Like it's hard. I love that. I actually didn't remember that like she didn't get the guy at the end. And I kind of love that. Well, she did sort of get the guy because at the end when she's at her law school graduation, we get kind of some updates to where um, Vivian broke up with Warner Mm-hmm. Um, and her and Elle are now best friends. And Emmett and Elle have also been dating for two years. Yeah, so it's a happily ever after. It's such a cute movie. It's such a classic. Reese Witherspoon will always be known for this role. And also, I don't know if you saw, she has TikTok and she still fits into those dresses, which like makes me hate her a little bit. Uh, I did not know she had TikTok. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like, still, I I love her, though. She's so cute, and she seems like she's a genuinely sweet person. The teapot is empty for today. Don't worry. Maury's bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.